welcome to a very special edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast on the World Football Index. I'm your host, Austin Miller, and today we will be looking at Group A of the 2019 South American Under-20 Championship. We'll give you a preview of all these teams, some names to look out for for those of you planning on following this competition. I'm joined, as always, by Tom Robinson. We've got a full house today, Tom, and I know that this competition is one of your favorite on the footballing calendar. Yeah, definitely in the in the top three to to quote Flight of the Concords. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great to be joined here by by Adam and Simon. It's a very full house, probably the the biggest crowd we've had on a scouting spotlight pod ever. Um, so yeah, excited to get cracking and and look into this tournament that always unearths plenty of new stars for us to uh, to watch over the coming years. As Tom alluded to, we're joined by Adam Brandon in Chile, who will actually be the host of this competition. Adam, a two-part question. One, how are you doing? And two, what's the mood like in Chile ahead of this? Is there much publicity for this competition? Is there a lot of excitement on the streets? Um, I wouldn't say there's a lot of excitement on the streets, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely building up. The expectation is that certainly Chile can make Poland 2019, um, even if they are probably going to be without their best player. We'll get onto that in a little bit. But yeah, I'm good, thanks, Austin. And uh, and yeah, I'm excited to, to certainly go and see some games. Um, getting tickets is a lot more tricky than I had hoped. Um, I'll probably get that into that a bit later as well. But um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. It's a, it's a competition that um, that I've always watched since since I moved over here. And uh, as Tom said, in my top three as well. And last but not least, we're joined by Simon Edwards, who has returned to Medellin from his English holiday. And Simon, you've been passing the time, it sounds like, by simultaneously scoring wonder goals and also offering your services to Atletico Nacional. Any word on that potential move? No, they've, they've, it seems like they're letting me slip through the cracks uh, and they've got their transfer ban uh, overturned. So they may not be quite desperate enough to sign a... 31-year-old playmaker who lacks a bit of pace, to be honest. So my time may have come and gone as a potential Copa Libertadores starter, but I'm looking forward to uh, this tournament, and yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, let's start in on it. On this show, we'll preview all five of the teams in Group A, which is composed of the hosts, Chile, as well as always the powerhouses, Brazil, Venezuela, who had a great run in 2017, and then Colombia and Bolivia as well. But Adam, let's start with the host side, Chile. Uh, they'll be looking for that host bump here at, at this tournament. They struggled in the 2017 edition of this competition. They did not win any matches. They only drew two in the group stage and did not advance to the second group stage. For those not familiar with the format of this competition, the 10 nations have been broken up into two groups, Group A and Group B. They'll play everybody in their group once. The top three teams then from those groups will move to, I guess, what you can call the qualification stage, where all six remaining teams will be put in a group. They'll play five matches, one against everybody else and the top four will advance to the Under-20 World Cup in Poland. Adam, you mentioned the expectations for Chile. They hope that they can make it to that Under-20 World Cup in Poland. Yeah, certainly. Um, Chile have certainly been in decent form over the, over the last year. They, they won the South American Games, which, was, which took place in Cochabamba, in Bolivia, in, uh, in June or July, I think it was. Uh, and they followed that up with some decent performances against Uruguay and Brazil in friendlies on, on home soil in recent months. Um, you know, before the injury on the last day of the season to probably their best player and their key player, the defensive midfielder, 
and the sort of the linchpin of the side, Ignacio Savidra. Um, I had Chile down as sort of a definite, really, to, to make it to Poland. I'm a, I'm a little less confident um, since that injury, uh, just because you know he he was such a key cog in in this in this Chile side. Um, certainly in those Brazil friendlies that I saw um, in person, it, it was you know it, a lot went through him, and he also stopped a lot going the other way. Um, so I am a little bit concerned uh, with his absence. Um, but there's a really talented group of players um, um, in, in, in this setup. Certainly best Chile's best generation since 2013 when, when I think they got to the quarterfinals in Turkey. Um, and a lot of the talented players come from O'Higgins and O'Higgins of Rancagua. And that's where this tournament will be held. So a lot of the key men in this Chile side will be playing on home soil, um, you know, in, 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 their, in their hometown. So, so that's, that's an interesting dynamic for, for this Chile side. Um, the, many of the players who were born in sort of 1999, 2000, who are obviously part of this side, uh, they won a prestigious uh, Milk Cup youth tournament in, in Northern Ireland a couple of years ago. Um, you know, beating a couple of top teams from, from Britain and, and Europe in that. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's, there's, quite a, there's quite a lot of talent, like I say, from O'Higgins. There's, there's, a, there's a few players in there from Universidad de Chile and Colo Colo and Universidad Católica, the three grandes of Chile. Um, you know, you would expect that, but they would produce a lot of uh, a lot of talent from the side, and and then there's a couple of players players based in Mexico who who are come on to in a little bit. Adam, getting specifically into these players, as as you look at this Chilean squad, who are some of the players that you expect to be key for them in this tournament? I think one of the nice things about this tournament is the matches do come thick and fast in the group stage. So the entirety of the squad generally gets used at some point in this competition. You can't really run out the same 11 for the entirety of the group stage. But who are some of the Chilean players that you expect to be key, and who are some of them that you're really excited to watch in this competition? Well, when I, when I, when I went to see that friendly between, uh, between Chile and Brazil um, well, a couple of months ago now, one of the players who really stood out for me is it was a player based in uh, based in Mexico and and that's Marcelo Allende. Um, he's one of those players. He's a he's a short, fairly stocky number ten. Um, he's one of those players there's been a buzz about for years. Um, Allende emerged after a string of impressive performances at the Under Seventeen World Cup here in Chile in two thousand and fifteen and. And despite being one of the younger players in that side, he was he was captain of that side too, um, and also kind of a, a focal focal point of, of pretty much nearly every attack Chile had in that. So much went through him. So he's a player who's used to having a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Um, expect him to take the penalties and 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 many of the set pieces too. Um, and, uh, and, and he also has the ability to, at this level anyway, to impose himself on matches. He, he was playing professional football here in Chile, albeit in the third tier, you know, when he was 15, 16 years old back in 2016. And at, around that time, he was invited over by Arsenal on the recommendation of Alexis Sanchez 
for a couple of trials at Arsenal. Um, and, w- and when he went over, you know, I, I believe that he stayed with Alexis and Alexis kind of looked after him. Uh, when he was there, the move to Arsenal didn't quite come off, but he, he returned to Chile and, and then ended up moving to, to Mexico, uh, Nakaxa are there. Um, and at Nakaxa, they immediately put him on a special training regime and diet to, to try and build him up a little bit more and, uh, and fill him out. Um, and, and it seems to have worked because, you know, he, he, he's gone from strength to strength um, whenever I've seen him for, for, for the Chile youth sides um, since then. And, he, and he's also started to make an impression there um, in, in Mexico. Um, he's been in good form for, for, for Chile over the past few months, contributing, you know, a few assists, a goal here and there too. Um, and also back in 2017, he was one of a couple of players in this squad who trained with the full Chile senior side um, at the Confederations Cup. Um, when Chile went over to Confederations Cup, they had their official squad, but they also brought with them some um, youth talents who they felt would probably be part of the senior side um, going forward. So, yeah, Allende was part of that. Another one who was also part of that was was one of the O'Higgins lot who I was talking about earlier, Matthias Sepulveda. Um, and, and, I, and I think they will play in a similar position. So I'm not sure how much we will see. But he's, he's another one who's caught my eye at this level. A couple of times I've seen him. Really good ball control. Kind of glides around the pitch, um, you know, behind the strikers. Uh, but yeah, how many minutes he gets might depend on the form and uh, fitness of Allende. There, there's a couple of names I can, I can also bring out. But yeah... As far as attacking midfielder goes, you know, Allende is probably the, the one to watch there. Behind him, um, in sort of a number eight role, you've got Luis Uribe, another player based in Mexico. He's a short and stocky, energetic midfielder, plenty of bite in his play. Um, so, you know, he, he's very much part of the support cast uh, for for Allende and, 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 and will be quite key, I think, in... In Savidra's absence of, of providing um, a bit of defensive cover there in midfield. Um, then you've got probably Chile's uh, big hope up front, and that's, uh, that's a player we've spoken about before on Pods at World Football Index, and that's uh, Nicolas Guerra. Yeah, he's injured too. <laughs> um, yeah, this is just a quick insert to say that um, we recorded the poll on Monday, and then... Nico Guerra got injured in training that day and on Tuesday it was confirmed that he will miss the under-20 South American Championships due to a hamstring tear. In his place comes Diego Valencia, a forward from Universidad Católica. Um, a player I've seen very little of, but what I did see in a 10-minute cameo uh, way to Palestino a few months ago, he set up a goal. So... Um, yeah, maybe this is a big chance now for the Catholica striker to make a name for himself. But yeah, that's two big blows now, of course. I've decided to keep uh, my bit about Guerra in here anyway. Guerra broke into 
for Universidad de Chile first team at just 17 years old. He scored a wonder goal on, I think it was his debut, certainly one of his first appearances in the, in, in the Copa Chile. He was hailed as this uh, you know, teenage wonder kid instantly by the local press compared to you know, uh, legends of the past. Um, but in truth, he's, he's struggled to live up to those early signs and hype. Um, you know, but, but it's not easy to live up to those expectations. But you know, as, a, as a striker, a number nine, I feel that this tournament gives him a bit of a chance to make a name for himself. Um, could make or break him, to be honest. Um, some listeners might remember me bigging him up sort of a year ago, ahead of the Copa Libertadores, as, as, as Universidad de Chile's uh, sort of brightest young hope. But in the end, he got overshadowed by uh, Angelo Arreos. And, and he also missed a couple of big chances in, in games against Racing and, and Cruzeiro, if I recall correctly. So, but time's very much on his side to still obviously be a star in that competition in the future. But yeah, I think if Chile have a good tournament, Guerra is somebody I expect to, to be in the top goal scoring chance. Um, you know, despite those high profile misses in Libertadores last year, at youth level, he has been prolific throughout. So yeah, I think he's got 13 goals in 20 matches for, for, for Chile. Um, so yeah, if uh, if Chile have a decent tournament, he'll certainly be among the top goal scorers. And then there's the goalkeeper, another one based uh, based with O'Higgins, and that's uh, Luis Oreta. Um, he recently kept a clean sheet on his professional league debut with with O'Higgins at the at the end of 2018. Um, he might be a starter there in next year. He's quite key, you know, because he plays well with his feet. So. For Chile to sort of play out from the back, it's, it, he's going to be key. Um, and he's shown excellent reflexes and uh, shot-stopping ability in, in those friendlies um, against Brazil and also against Uruguay um, in, in recent months. Um, uh, so in the build-up to this tournament. So but to be honest, it, it was difficult to pick out just sort of three or four players. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a few other names I can mention. Um, and, I'll, and I'll probably mention them on my Twitter, sort of in the build-up to the tournament later on in the week. But it's uh, yeah, I've, I think for this pod and, and players who I wanted to speak about, sort of at length, um, I'll, I'll go with those for now. Yeah, I definitely um, think that Guerra and um, Allende are looking like really exciting prospects. I remember seeing a bit of Allende at the last one and thinking that. He was just kind of, he didn't quite have that physicality to match it. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him two years down the line making a bigger impact. I think also, and I'm sure you would have liked to mention him as well, but Ivan Morales was another of um, those guys who played in the last uh, under 20s. And, and he always looked good when he came off the bench. So I'm looking to see you know, more of him. He's getting game time with Colo Colo. Um, it is a it is a massive shame though that Saavedra is injured though because he he's been fantastic from from what I've seen of him uh, for Catolica um, he he really looked the real deal and, it, and it's a pity that um, that yeah Chile will be missing one of their their real star men and it seems to be a bit of a feature with some of the other teams as well missing a couple of their big hitters as well um, but I mean I, as much as I, I fancy Chile to do better than they have done in um, recent years, they're going to be up against it with uh, with Brazil in the group, don't you think, Austin? 
Yeah, it's really interesting to hear Adam talk about Chile. And I think a lot of the teams in this competition, you're seeing a lot of players who have made professional debuts. When you look at the Brazil squad, I don't think it's a stretch to say that they have the most overall talent in this competition. But there's not a ton of players who have featured really heavily at the professional level just because it can be so hard for a young player sometimes to get chances in Brazil but, Tom, there's no doubt that there are a lot of really good players in this Brazil side, and they'll certainly be looking to make up for the disappointment that they had in 2017 when they failed to qualify for the Under-20 World Cup after they crashed out in the qualification stage. I think this Brazil team is pretty hungry to to make that right in this competition. Yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll bounce back. And we, we saw from their fantastic performances at under-17 level that they've they've got this phenomenal generation coming through um, from the you know the kids from, born in 1999 2000 I mean if you just look at the guys who, who weren't brought along that that would have been uh, you know scary just there but there's there's a really really strong depth to this uh, to this Brazil squad I mean even just looking at their three goalkeepers they've you know two of them have been integrated into the the senior national team probably just for experience but you know they've they've got three goalkeepers so you could arguably say that either one could start I mean who do you think would start for the Mostyn? Yeah it's really interesting and that's where I think the amount of matches that you have in quick succession in the group stage w- will allow Carlos Amadeo, the Brazilian manager, to probably get the entirety of the 23-man squad on the pitch, and that includes the three goalkeepers. I think Gabriel Brazil might be the furthest along of the three right now, but it wouldn't surprise me, as you said, to see any of them as you move forward in this Brazil team. Uh, Emerson at fullback, a player at Atletico Mineiro, one of the few who has gotten extended chances at the professional level. He's been linked with big uh, European clubs like Arsenal. Uh, Vinicius Jr. is not in this Brazil squad, but he's another member of this generation. Uh, There's a lot of Brazilian players that that I'm certainly really excited to see. And Tom, as I'm sure you know, I'm quite pleased by the amount of Palmeiras players in this Brazil (laughs) squad. Uh, Just kind of proof of how well they've been doing at developing young players. Uh, They're littered all across this Brazil squad, and I expect most of them to, to feature at this competition. Yeah, I noticed that as well, and I, I was just waiting for you to bring that up. But um, certainly, um, Alan is a um, someone who really impressed me for the under seventeens. A little magician in midfield there, and um, I'm, whenever I see a seventeen-year-old pop up in the squad as well, that that always catches my eye. So I'm, I'll be looking out for Luan Candido. I mean, apart from the the big name in in Rodrigo, who else do you think are, are players that people should? should watch out for and who might and they might not have heard of before well i do have a bit of bad news before i get into that alan sosa was actually just recently ruled out of the brazil squad so another big loss i know i was really looking forward to watching him as well but it just came down recently that he's not in the squad he would have been a player that i know simon would have liked as well as far as a passing midfield 10 is concerned, but there's still a lot of players that I'm really excited about. Uh, I mentioned Emerson already. I think he might be the furthest along of any of these Brazil players outside of maybe Rodrigo, who you mentioned. Um, some of the maybe lesser known guys, uh, Hamidas, uh, the Bahia midfielder, is one that I know that has impressed Adam at points in watching Bahia matches. He got some run in the first team as 2018 went along. I'm really excited to see him. At this level, Luan Kanjido, just 17, as you said, a very stereotypical Brazilian fullback. Looking forward to seeing him. Um, 
As far as the other players that attack, Papagayo is a big striker, big target guy. Uh, if they choose to go that route at the number nine, I think he could have a lot of success at this competition. He's about to move on loan from Palmeiras to Atletico Mineiro looking for game time. I think he'll get a lot of opportunities there. And then, Tom, another player that really intrigues me is Jonas Toro, who led the Copinha in goals in 2018. Hasn't done anything at the professional level for Sao Paulo. I have no idea what he's going to bring to this competition. I don't know how often he'll see the pitch, but I really want to see him get an opportunity because the goal-scoring record speaks for itself. It takes a lot to lead the Copinha in goal scored, the prestigious youth competition in Sao Paulo. Uh, I would really like to see Toro get some run, and I'm really intrigued to see what happens if he does. I suppose that is one of the, the key issues, really, with, with so much depth of talent it's it's a nice headache to have but a headache nonetheless and we've definitely seen squads before that are sort of loaded with talent but can't quite find the collective uh, unit that that takes them forward certainly having that big Palmeiras core is going to help with that you'd imagine in the same way that that Chile can rely on the O'Higgins core of, of that squad as well and I think that that is a really important point that Adam brought up um with with uh the Chilean selection because in these international tournaments it's it's hard to get a, a squad to function together well so the more understanding you have between each other and the fact they'll be playing a lot of games on home soil that is something that could tip the balances even further in their favor yeah and i think brazil are at a point where it's beneficial to them to have as many players as they do that have played together at various youth levels throughout uh, one final player that I wanted to mention is Vital, uh, a Palmeiras youth center back. Big, strong. Um, he's kind of like Yeri Mina, but not as strong yet. Um, so keep an eye out for him in this competition as well. Tom, where do you rate the Brazilians as far as favorites are concerned? I said this on a podcast that I did a couple of days ago in previewing this Brazil side. It's really not terribly important, I think, for them to win this competition. I think the goal is qualifying for that under-20 World Cup. And I think they sh- they have what it takes to to get that done. Yeah, for me, they're head and shoulders above everyone else. I like you said, I, this tournament isn't really about winning it necessarily. It's nice if you can, but it's more about getting to the World Cup. Certainly for the for the big nations and and maybe for some of the smaller nations, it's more about youth development. But I really think that Brazil stand head and shoulders above everyone else. And even if they don't have Vinicius, they don't have Brenner, Paulinho, Bobson. Uh, Alan now as well. I still think that they're they're going to be the favourites, and I, I I'm going to heap the pressure on them and uh, and say that they should be winning this um, hands down. Yeah, I'll just jump in here. I just want to make sort of a quick point about sort of familiar surroundings and that kind of thing. It's it's, it's worth noting that there's a lot of players in 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 all the squads. Um, Going, going to going to Chile for for this tournament um, that have been in um, Rancagua before uh, because the under seventeen uh, South American Championships, which were held in February and March in two thousand and seventeen, were also hosted in the same cities: Rancagua, Talca, and, and Curicó. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of players who have been through the whole experience of. Uh, and they're probably staying in the same digs as they did last time. So, so there is going to be some familiarity for, for all the sides. The big star of that 
of that tournament in, in Chile in 2017 um, was Vinicius Jr. And, um, and he's obviously missing from, from this Brazil squad, as we've already mentioned. Um, but another player who caught my eye when, when I saw Brazil against Chile um, back, in, back in October was, uh, was Matias Cunha. And, and he's also not been released by, by his club um, he plays. Uh, he plays in. He plays for Leipzig in uh, Red Bull Leipzig or RB Leipzig, should I say, in uh, in the Bundesliga. So, yeah, kind of the two players who really stood out for me on the Brazil side back in October. Neither of those are in the squad, so I'm certainly interested to see um, how Brazil do in this tournament without those two. And Adam, just to kind of touch on that point. The feeling around this Brazil team is those players would be made available for the under-20 World Cup if they do qualify for it. Uh, Vinicius Jr. could end up being maybe a question mark if he continues to get as many minutes as he has with Real Madrid. But those players who haven't been released for this competition, a lot of that it seems like has been with an eye towards a potential under-20 World Cup and their clubs then releasing them for that. Only three players not based in Brazil in this squad. Vicinho, who's at a Belgian club. Marcos Bahia, who's at Estoril in Portugal. And then Marquinhos Cipriano, who's at the Brazilian factory Shakhtar Donetsk in Ukraine. So a very domestic-based squad for this Brazil team. But a lot of talent and I think a lot of names that you'll hear going forward for this Brazil team and for the national team as we move towards 2022 and then on to 2026. Simon, let's bring you in to talk about Colombia. They failed to make the World Cup in 2017 after they had a strong initial group performance. And I believe, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, Colombia are the only side in this Thunder 20 World Cup that has a player that has already featured on the Scouting Spotlight podcast. Am I correct in saying Carlos Cuesta is the only one? Yeah, you might be right there. Um, yeah, I'd have to rack my brains. But yeah, I think you might be right. That's a good shout. So, Simon, Carlos Cuesta, a player with a lot of experience, especially on this podcast. I assume he'll play a big role. Uh, what do you kind of expect from Colombia at this Under-20 championship? Well, you know, obviously Brazil on paper have a very, very attractive side. Uh, but I watched Colombia play Brazil in November, a couple of games in you know, I think Colombia outplayed them, particularly in midfield. Uh, obviously, Cuesta is the standout name in the squad in terms of uh, first-team experience, international experience, having been a key man for Atlético Nacional uh, over the last couple of years. Lost his first-team place at times, but uh, has always been a very assured presence in defence. And I think they'll need that because one area where they're struggling is goalkeeper and fullbacks. Lots of good players in the squad, but the the fullbacks are both very, very attacking, more forwards and defenders in a lot of ways. Uh, Cuesta will be playing alongside uh, Juan Palma, probably, who's, again, probably more of a midfielder than a defender. Um, so there's going to be a lot of pressure on the defensive midfielders, who are pretty good. Uh, Gustavo Carvajal may get the start. They've got a few options. Carvajal and Balanta, who play for America de Cali and Deportivo Cali. And uh, then Goes, who's probably going to be the captain, who plays for Atletico Nacional. Those two are going to be very, very important because... Um, as I say, Cuesta's a very good, solid centre-back, but the other defenders are a little bit you know, attacking and maybe not so naturally strong at the back. So that's going to be a question. So Colombia's strongest area at the moment is Cuesta, obviously. Defensive midfield is very, very strong. Attacking midfield, there's lots and lots of really interesting options. That's probably where Colombia are going to dominate possession, I think, in a lot of games. And also have the pace to break forward and create chances. So we'll see how things go, but... Again, my other concern is in centre-forward. Uh, they've got some players who were excellent at youth level, but 
the question is, can they reproduce that at a higher level? Players who are six foot five strikers, um, like so Rivaro uh, Correa, uh, there's also uh, Dylan Ortiz, who's very young, but very, very tall, powerful striker. So the question is, do they have someone to put the ball in the goal? But I think attacking midfielders are looking very strong. There's uh, Jason Tolosa, who was on trial at Barcelona, has been very interesting. Reminds me a little bit about of a bit of a Paul Pogba, the way he glides over the ground. Very strong and powerful, but quick as well. Uh, Yeda Valencia, who's potentially going to be the guy stepping into the boots of uh, of uh, Del Valle uh, in for Millonarios this year. Very interesting player. Again, very tall, six foot five, quick, pacey, winger, attacking midfielder. Ivan Angulo, very, very quick, skillful uh, on one side. Also, uh, Carbonero, who's scored goals this year for Once Caldas. Again, another quick winger. So there's there's solid core, solid base to the midfield. Some really interesting creative players and a lot of pace out wide. The question is, will they be vulnerable? I don't really like Mia in goal. He's flapped a lot. He was the reason Colombia didn't get a good 2-0 win against uh, Brazil. Both the goals were his fault. So there's some questions. But I think Colombia are going to be an attractive ball-playing side in this tournament. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a bit more of uh, Valencia as well. He, he, We saw him a bit in the Libertadores there. And yeah, he seemed to do well for Bogota in, in the second division there in Colombia. Uh, Carbonero as well, as, as Simon mentioned. I, I really like Gonce Caldas at the moment. They're, they're playing some nice stuff and, and he's getting he's had a lot of it first time experience. So that's clearly going to be a help. And um, yeah, Ivan Angulo, someone who I didn't know a lot about, but I've been hearing really, really good things. Um, so he's going to be one that I'm, I'm really going to keep an eye on because, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of chatter about him right, right now. Yeah, I think there's a nice combination between um, the, the the solid passing. You know, I saw the game against Brazil and they really, really dominated possession. Um, but there's also that pace out wide, which, you know, could be key. Again, my concern is they don't have anyone in the squad uh, who's a guaranteed goal scorer. Luis Sandoval, again, has been scoring a few goals, but second division, it's a, it's a big, big difference. Um, Correa, 53 goals at youth level, but we're talking... You know, as a 16-year-old who's a foot taller than everybody else, can he reproduce that? The same thing with Dylan Ortiz. So for me, that's the biggest question. Um, there's going to be a lot of nice playing, lots of nice interchanges. There's going to be uh, beating the fullbacks out wide with Angulo, with, with Valencia. A lot of things happening, a lot of really nice stuff. But can they put the ball in the net and will they fall apart at the back? That's my question. I think Colombia is going to be a fun team to watch uh, for the good and for the bad potentially in this tournament. One question I I had before we move on was also where is uh, Deber Caicedo? Is he is he injured or is he just not not getting uh, selected? Yeah, he he hasn't been selected. Um, he's been doing some interesting things for Deportivo Cali. Popped up with a couple of goals here and there. I think part of it is just physicality. I think Reyes, the manager who's also been managing the Colombian first team as well, um, as they look to appoint a new manager. Um, likes to have a, a very dynamic, pacey, you know, lots of players with physical advantages, which is is something that this Colombia side has. And I think the the diminutive figure of Deva Caicedo doesn't quite fit as that number nine, where they've got a lot of tall players, you know, box players, and he's not quite as as powerful and, and dominant as as a winger. So I think he kind of falls a little bit out uh doesn't quite meet the requirements for the manager in this in this squad and again it's a reflection of 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 uh of the strength of this Colombia side but I do worry a bit that some of the forwards maybe are a bit more physical than they are quality and maybe the successes they've had at youth level reflects early development as opposed to uh, a great deal of quality but 
it's a chance. One of them's going to pop up and hopefully have a good tournament and uh, and make the difference. But that is the big question for me: who's going to put the ball in the net? And uh, yeah, we we are missing out on Deva, who's a who's a classy operator as well. Let's move on from that Colombia side and talk about Venezuela, who were the story of youth football in 2017. They only gave up one goal in the initial group stage, then got through the qualifying round to the Under-20 World Cup. Well, they ended up finishing runners-up in that competition in 2017. Rafael Dudamel, their full national team manager, is back to manage this Venezuelan side. And Adam, it is a Venezuelan side that comes from all over. They have players featuring in Germany, Italy, Spain... Argentina, Chile, Venezuela, of course, and even at the university level here in the United States. So uh, cobbled together Venezuela squad, what can we expect from them in this competition? Yeah, I think that diversity of the, of the squad um, reflects, you know, the growing uh, talent in, in, in Venezuela um, in, in football after you know, previously being whipping boys. Um, you know, they're now becoming a, a force to be reckoned with, certainly at under-20 level. Um, and after their last batch of under-20 stars, which, as you mentioned, sort of lifted them to unprecedented success in, t- in 2017, looking at this squad, it looks like another very talented group. And, you know, I wouldn't bet against them making it back-to-back World Cups. In years past, in, in maybe a, in any tournament really in South America, sort of getting Venezuela and Bolivia in your group would mean you'd be confident of a top three place. But... Having studied this Venezuela under-20 group over the past few weeks, I fancy them to, to perhaps edge out one of Chile, Colombia or Brazil for a place in the final stage at, at the very least. The player I'm going to speak about first, um, I'll actually mainly hand over to, to Tom as, as he follows Argentinian football and I know that he's probably seen him more than I have, but it's, uh, it's Jan Hurtado. He, he's a player I, I've enjoyed watching ever since his cameo appearances in the under-20 Venezuela side at the last World Cup in Korea a couple of years ago. He he scored a goal in that World Cup too, and and I think he was the youngest Venezuela in the squad at that point, if if if, if I remember rightly. But what's really impressive for me about him, Tom, is you know his his calmness under pressure that he's shown recently in in the in the Copa Argentina in penalty shootouts um, against River and uh, Rosario Central, uh, slotting home two penalties rather coolly, and and he seems like a very determined character as well, which is which has been shown in some of the um, which has been shown on the field and and also some off the field issues too. Yeah, he's he's looked really promising. He's a quick, powerful, pacey striker. Um, and like you said, very cool in front of goal. Um, yeah, he's he's been uh, part of the under twenty setup for a long time, and he's he's making a big splash at Gimnasia over over in Argentina. He's he's uh, definitely made a name for himself by scoring the penalty that knocked that River out of the semi-finals. Um, shame that they couldn't get the the win in the final, but he still uh, managed to get his his penalty in there. So he's obviously going to be one of the focal points on of this team. And I would say that along with him is is another Venezuelan who's who's based in Argentina as well, and who was also part of that last under twenty uh, squad uh, in Samuel Sosa. Again, someone who came off the bench, made some impact, really good shot from range, more of a um, forward attacking midfielder rather than an out and out striker like Odal, but. He's, he, he hasn't really played much either at uh, Tajeres. Um, but I think both of them are going are gonna to come in and, and be real leaders, um, having been there and, and done it. 
And obviously, Adalo as well, having had this contract dispute back in Venezuela, he's, he's had to come through a lot, as you said, Adam, um, to, to sort of re-establish himself after almost sort of two years with uh, inactivity. So it's going to be great to see him uh, flourishing again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, he is very strong, isn't he? Um, capable of sort of good hold-up play, likes to try and find a teammate with a cross or a pass. Um, I, I think, you know, looking at his goal-scoring record, he can certainly improve on that. Um, so it's going to be interesting how he develops. But this could be a breakthrough tournament in that regard for him. Um, another player who was part of that squad in 2017 but didn't play much then but is going to be a very key man in, in this setup is Christian Macun. Um, he is part of uh, Juventus's under-19 side at the moment um, and perhaps is one of the most interesting stories I've, I've found in, the, in this tournament. He actually qualifies for three national teams, um, Venezuela, where he was born, and that's also the country of his mother, uh, Belgium, where his father, as his father holds a Belgian passport, um, and Cameroon, where his father is actually from, and his father was a Cameroonian player called Bayou Makun, and he played professional football in Venezuela for Carabobo, one of our favourite names here in, <laughs> in South America. Um, so, yeah, he, 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 he has a you know, a football history in his family. So, you know, a bit of innate talent there, um, as well as coach talent. Um, he played, like I mentioned earlier, he played a couple of games in the under-20 World Cup in Korea two years ago when he was on the fringes. But and before moving to Juventus last year, he was he was a regular in the Zamora side, which won a title in Venezuela. He, he is a player who can play in a couple of different positions. Um, certainly when he was in Venezuela, he was being used either in centre midfield or as a, mainly as a defensive midfielder. Uh, but what's interesting, having, uh, having looked at some of the videos of him playing in recent months, is that Juventus appear to be trying him out as a, as a, as a central defender as well. Um, sort of a ball-playing central defender capable of sort of hitting long-range passes. And, and that kind of thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how he develops over the next few years. I expect with Venezuela in this tournament, he will play as a defensive midfielder. Um, that's where he, he's played generally with Venezuela. And, and, and he played there in the, uh, for the under-17s here in Chile a couple of years ago as well. I, re I remember him there having a really good performance against Chile in that competition. Um, he, he is a player that brings a notable, notable physical presence to the side. He's, he's quite intelligent, like I've already mentioned. Yeah, he can play numerous positions, um, likes to hit a long pass, um, ha and has also been known to take set pieces. He scored a wonderful free kick, actually, at under-17 level here in Chile um, in, the, in the South American Championships a couple of years ago. So, as you would expect from somebody who's a physical defensive midfielder, you know, he likes to tackle. But the only thing I have noticed, he quite often dives into challenges, throwing himself on the ground. I'd like to perhaps see him stand up a little bit more as, as, as I think that would be more effective for his game. As often he looks quite risky when he goes to ground, not, not just losing his man, but perhaps picking up the occasional unnecessary yellow card as well. But yeah, he, he's a player I'm really looking forward to seeing in, in the flesh. And another player, sorry, I, I just want to touch on one more player in, the, in this Venezuela side, is, uh, is Brian. Parnazano, um, 
who has just signed here for Huachapato. And this, what's fascinating about this is it's a very similar situation to Jefferson Celso-Teodo um, a couple of years ago, uh, where Celso-Teodo had just signed for Huachapato and, and, he, and he came into the under-20 South American Championships as a, as a potential star, and he was one of the one of the big breakthrough stars of that tournament. And Parmazano is is a is an attacking midfielder as well, plays in a very similar role to to Sotelo. Uh, he's left footed, um, and like I say, he's just signed for Huachapato, and and on that route from Venezuela to Huachapato is now a well trodden one because you had the Venezuelan number 10, Romelu Otero, and Jefferson Celdero both going that route in recent years. Um, as for Parmesano, yeah, he loves a kind of a cheeky chipped pass, you know, through ball or, or just over a defender into a, to a striker in the box. He's, he's a very entertaining player to see. Um, like I mentioned, left footer, pacey, good dribbler. From everything I've seen at the moment, He's a player with bags of potential, certainly capable of generating a similar buzz to, as, to what Celtero did in this tournament a couple of years ago. So yeah, he's, he's another player I'm really looking forward to seeing in, in the flesh and, and just see how involved he gets in the play over 90 minutes, really, as, as, I, as I'm mainly going off, um, off clips. It's a, it's a, like I say, it's, a, it's another t- talented Venezuela squad and one I'm really looking forward to seeing again. Yeah, I would definitely um, echo the sentiments of uh, of Adam there um, in terms of Makun being the real anchor of the side, of, um, whether he plays at centre-back or uh, defensive midfield, I think he's going to be absolutely key. Um, and also, I think um, another interesting player that we should watch out for is the goalkeeper, Carlos Olces. He's um, he's a young keeper. He's really really tall. He's he's been getting quite a lot of first team football. He's still got a, an error in him, but he's going to be looking to follow in the footsteps of uh, Wilker Farinas. Yeah, I mean they're big big uh, gloves to fill certainly, but it's going to be interesting. And and as we sort of touched on before, there's a real diaspora of, uh, of Venezuelan talent. So there's there's some players in there that who I've seen basically nothing of, but. Um, have been uh, linked with some pretty big clubs around around the world, as uh, as you mentioned, Austin, and players like Mangana at Celta Vigo, Peña at Dortmund. Um, th- these are going to be guys that I'm I've not really seen much of, and you, and you think is this a case that they're really excellent talents that the the sort of Venezuelan scouting system has has managed to convince to to represent their country, or are these guys who we think they're good because they're sort of linked to a, a, a really good club without having really seen much of them. So I'm, I'm interested to see um, what that is going to sort of show for, for this side, because they're, they're always going to be compared to the side from two years ago. And that's, that's a big shadow they're in. I think as much as I agree that it looks a talented side, um, I'm, I'm trying to temper my excitement a little bit just because um it's going to be hard for them to replicate the heroics of two years ago. But I definitely agree with Adam in the, in the fact that I think that they should be running uh, Chile or Colombia um, for maybe that third spot um, in the group. So it's going to be interesting. And I was, I was wondering, Austin, what you think of the two US-based players in the squad? Yeah, it's interesting to see Santiago Herrera, who's playing at the university level here in the United States for the UCLA Bruins. Um, not a path that we've seen too many South American players take, particularly those who, who maybe fancy themselves as a future national team player. So seeing him on this stage should be interesting. 
Uh, and then, as you mentioned, Christian Caceres with, with New York Red Bulls, another one that that'll be interesting to see at this level. And final thing, we talk a lot about what Venezuela did in 2017, and it certainly was impressive. But it's interesting, Tom. They only scored one goal in the group stage in 2017. They played to four draws. They got seven points. They got just enough to get through. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting because I think we hold them up as they played so well, and they really did at the World Cup. But they had to kind of battle through the the, the Sudamericano in 2017. So so we'll see what this year holds for for this Venezuela group and, and Rafael Dudamel, their manager. Yeah, for sure, it's going to be difficult to replicate those defensive heroics and and certainly that they've got players like Anzola who's who's played quite a bit of first team football for for Deportivo Lara. And if, yeah, if, I think if Macun is drafted in at centre back, that that's going to help shore things up. It's yeah, it's it's going to be tricky, but I think they've maybe got more of a a balanced squad rather than the the defense mind minded uh, side that we saw. As for all the the great attacking talents they had in in this um, in Sotelo and and players like that, there was always a case of it was a it was more of a hard running forward line um, doing doing the the tough running basically. Whereas this year, I think that with Otado and, and Sosa. A li- that little bit older, that little bit more experienced, that we could see them maybe possessing a bit more of a threat. And, and there'll be that belief that after what they've done two years ago, they can actually go out and take the game to players. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting. And um, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm not going to say they're definitely going to qualify, but I think they they have a good chance. It could be it could be interesting as well to, to see kind of uh, the tactical now of Dudaman, you know, and, and uh, man, you know somebody who actually manages that senior national team level against some of these coaches who you know who don't quite have that kind of experience, and, and you would expect that perhaps Dudamel can can sort of uh, out tactic his opponent perhaps in 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 some of these matches. That, that's something else I'm going to be looking out for. Let's finish up this Group A podcast by looking at the fifth team in this group. That is Bolivia, one of three South American nations that have never qualified for the FIFA Youth World Cup or the FIFA Under-20 World Cup. Ecuadorian manager Sixto Vizuete will take charge of this Bolivia side. Adam, you were tasked with the difficult task of, of trying to find out a little bit about them. What, what should we expect from them? Is it going to be same old, same old from Bolivia at a South American competition? Yeah, so if anybody is listening and they want to be our Bolivian expert here on the World Football Index, then, you know, that vacancy is always very much open. Um, it is very difficult to, to find out about about Bolivian football, and especially at youth level. Um, uh, there, there is very little video clips or, or information that exists on these players, so... Um, you know, one of the players who I I remembered the goal. I didn't remember the player who scored the goal, but through that I managed to to pick out one player, and and I did notice that he's now at Boca Juniors in the youth team, and that's Sebastian Melgar. He scored a genius goal in Rancagua in 2017 against Colombia. This kind of backheel flick after drawing the goalkeeper out. It was a surprise win for Bolivia over over Colombia in 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 that tournament. Um, but yeah, but he, yeah, he, he's their number nine from what I can see and possibly their most talented player, like I say, contracted to, to Boca Juniors. So yeah, Sebastian Melgar is perhaps one to look out for. Um, and another one 
who I managed to get a little bit information information on. It has he's already made quite a few appearances for the strongest, uh, you know, one of the one of the giants of Bolivian football, and uh, and that's Ramiro Vaca, Mister Cow. Um, he's a good technical number eight from what I can see, capable of a good free kick. Um, and yeah, and in 2018, you know, he, he started to find regular game time for the strongest and, and he will provide them with, uh, with plenty of energy in midfield. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, aside from those two, I was really struggling, even though a couple of their players are actually based here in, uh, in Chile. Um, but I tried, uh, to find out <laughs> about them, but you know, and I've even been to see, one of us that Chile at youth level and and their player Luis Demiqual, who's part of this Bolivia side, um, you know he 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 certainly wasn't on the pitch when I saw them. So there's another one based at La Serena here in Chile, John Garcia, um, and again I, I I couldn't find too much about him either. So so yeah, it, it, they're very much sort of an unknown. Um, they have one player based in Valencia. Harold Quinteros, a defender, so he, he could be an interesting one to watch. But yeah, aside from that, I'm kind of I'm kind of struggling. Would Would you say that Vaca has good movement? Uh, yes, Adam? very much so. He covers every <laughs> blade of grass. Yeah, as you'd expect. But yeah, certainly he was the the player that did stand out for me. Jokes aside, um, because you know he was in that last under twenty group. He's got a senior cap. Um, he's going to be the the spark they're looking for in midfield. Um, I think Gyro Queja is going to be uh, a busy goalkeeper between the sticks there, um, and they're going to have to rely a lot on Antelo, the, the captain and defender there. So, yeah, let's be honest. This is not really about whether they can qualify or not. As you know, don't want to patronise them too much, but I think it's more about player development. And if they can get a couple of players who can impress and maybe move, uh, sort of get fast tracked up into the senior uh, setup, then then that would be you know an important stepping stone for them. We saw some good performances from from a couple of the players last year who are now um, sort of making their first steps into. Uh, senior international football so I think realistically that's going to be the goal for Bolivia who uh, yeah I don't think they're kidding themselves about their, their chances especially in a in a difficult group quite, like this. Quite a few of the players in the squad come from the Bolivian side blooming so you know that's quite appropriate isn't it when talking about kind of the youth development. Your pun was better than Tom's Adam I'll give you that. <laughs> I like to set award. the bar low. <laughs> Well, that'll do it for this edition, uh, this elongated edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast. A big thank you to Adam, Simon, and Tom, as always, for joining me. Be sure to be on the lookout for our Group B preview as well, as well, where we will take a look at the other five sides in this competition. You can follow the World Football Index on social media for all the latest from us. You can find this podcast where you're listening to it now or also on Spotify, iTunes, and plenty of other sites as well. Be sure to rate and review if you do enjoy what you've heard. Thanks for listening and goodbye.